It's the Stranger Nerds here. I have myself, Connor Vandermark, Mitchell Lee, Tommy Grant, and we are here for Season 3, Chapter 1, the new season, and highly regarded by both Mitchell and Tommy. So I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, title of this episode is Susie, Do You Copy? Which I thought was very funny, as we, you know, we'll get to a little later. So before we go into I always a read deeper, that um, like, Annie, are you okay? No. I always just kind of hear it like not, that. Not to me at all. <laughs> Annie, are you okay? I wouldn't say that, but it's a catchy song. Um, yeah, so That's I great. was not with you guys for the last episode for the season two Ooh. finale, which I thought was very good. And, you're, and, and uh, I did I did rate it a 9.2. So I thought, it was, I thought it was a nice little bow tie to the end of the season. I saw you guys didn't rate it as high. Uh, usually around an average for everybody else around like an 8.5, 8.6-ish. But I thought it was good. I, I thought it was a lot of good. the highest go. on oh, the yeah. season. I thought it was a good season. I, I There was like, again, but I can see what? the complaints. We, we need that though, because if we all hate and love the same things, it just doesn't, yes. it make it gets boring. I'm, I'm like, with you a little on bit that. Of, little good contrast there. I can see the complaints. Um, it definitely does make sense. You can hear just the complaints. I <laughs> uh, was a reference to my cat just yelling in the background just now. <laughs> okay, She's I'm like... glad you said that because I heard the noise. I was like, I wasn't sure if that was Josie. I was like, that's a really fucking weird noise. <laughs> no, that, that that was my that, that was, was your my cat child. saying, "I hate season two. Yeah. Uh, Connor, you're wrong. Yeah, get off well, the I show. Think... I did think that they ended it very nicely because I thought that the pacing, the tempo switch up was so good in this episode or that episode that like it kept me really engaged. And then the ending, I thought was very sweet. And I really enjoyed that. You know, Nancy dancing with Dustin, I thought that was very sweet. A lot of good things in there. I was I was very pleased. So, but it, no, and, and with the season two, going to season three. Last comments, Tommy? No, I was just going to say um, with how you were mentioning the kind of shift in tone, one thing was Stranger, like a lot of TV shows, you always see kind of a similar tone throughout the show. Stranger Things I like because each season kind of has a different feel to it. Season one is kind of like that, you know, small town, kid goes missing, whole government conspiracy. Season two is more of like a, yeah, season two is more like an exorcist type feel. You know, it's a little more dark, a little more spooky. Even though Noah Schnapp can't act the spooky part, but we'll let that slide. That's pretty scary to me. We, we've we've you know dug that <laughs> one one to pieces. It'd be scary if someone put Noah Schnapp in a wet yeah. paper bag. Couldn't <laughs> act his way out of it. Okay. Yeah, Connor. The main thing yeah. you missed last episode was just us bashing on Noah Schnapp some more. So you didn't miss. I'm too not much. surprised that that horse is well dead. <laughs> that horse is well dead six feet under. Well, I, I'm just gonna say it's gonna continue to get even more dead. It, yeah. it ain't improving. And, and then to continue on my point is season three, as we'll get into it, has more of a red scare vibe to it and more of a it kind of starts to broaden the spectrum. Why are you making that weird face, Mitchell? Maybe my understanding you, you, you of can't the show deny it's literally about left. Russians. It's about Russians in the 80s. Yes. That's like pure red scare. I was going to say it's a little bit of like a 
if John Hughes tried to make Red Dawn? And what that is Red Dawn to, about, Mitchell? That means nothing to me. God, <laughs> I'm sorry. You people. You people I'm you, sorry. You, you people right, need to make what, some guest what, appearances on Press Play Action to learn more about movies. Because these are eight. Right? John Hughes is a famous 80s director. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The Breakfast Look, Club. I, I will, I will like give that. Connor the benefit of the doubt of not knowing who John Hughes is. Like, most people don't know many directors. Okay. But, no, Connor, no, but hold on, hold on. No, Connor, most people know who Connor do you John at least Hughes know what Red Dawn is? It sounds familiar, but I can't pull it. No, nope. all right. Google. No, you're. You, I tried to help you out, but, but nope, you're you're gone. John, I've, Hughes, I've seen. <laughs> John, I've seen John, John Hughes, Hughes movies, made classic '80s movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club. I think he made Home Alone, but I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, he did. No, he did not make Home Alone, but he wrote Home Alone, so he does have a credit on that. But it's like a John Hughes type of movie. But if it was Red Dawn, which is about these kids, they're in high school and they're fighting Russians. Yeah. Never seen and, it, but and that's so kind of what, it's like so, if John Hughes that's what the made, tone of this made Red Dawn. Is. It's very it's very Russia in the eighties, Red Scare kind of vibe to it. Obviously not as scary. It's more of a fun kind of show anyway, but the tone shifts to a bigger scale in this season, is what I'm trying to get to. And we definitely get some cold war than red scare, but I get, I get what you're going for. Mitchell. Well, I think people think red scare. They just think people being accused of being communists, not afraid of like the Russians dropping bombs on us type of thing. Because the red scare was more close to the McCarthyism back in 1950s. All right. This was more like your your family that had like the, the nuke bunkers. Though your yeah. your point does make sense, though, like oh, that the 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 height of the Cold War was the seventies and eighties, and you no, know, that yeah. was very much a thing that was in the front of many Americans' minds during. The yeah. Okay, we drop bomb on you. <laughs> yeah. But so so let's let's start off with uh, some of the new characters we get to see this season. Uh, we get some big actor names to kick off, starting now, off with Carrie. Well, all right, big nostalgic actor names. I mean, come on, you got Carrie. I don't even. I'm gonna butcher the last name, so I'll let Mitchell say I'll, that. But Carrie Car- Elways, or as I like to call him, Carrie Elways, in his non-acting ass, because he can't really act <laughs> either. He's been, like yeah, but, you know, he, but he's been in such great movies. He was in Princess Bride yeah, and Robin Hood's Antichrist. He's always just, the worst part of them. I enjoy both movies still... with him in it. Don't get like, Thank Princess you. Bride is an all-time great movie. I'm not gonna, but Princess yes. Bride is kind of where his acting peaked. Like once, like once he got a little bit older. Usually, you get better as you get older in acting, and he did not. And uh, it kind is, of, yeah. Is is the not right great. term for someone like him a method actor, where it's like they have, they have their one. Their one lane and they go stick in it. No, no, that's just like being typecast. Typecast, like, that's what. Yeah, you play like the yeah, same type, character over and over again because people you. know that, you for that. That's why I see him as, or at least when it comes like no present. Method acting is when type. you pretend to be when you're the character like the whole way through, like Daniel Day Lewis oh, being oh. Abraham Lincoln, like offset and like refusing to uh, use, like, technology. I would say to the extreme of Heath Ledger as Joker, that was method acting to the extreme. Yeah. Okay. I'm just in terminology. But yeah, yeah. Something like that. yeah. 
I thought I thought he was good. What so, he was good for, but like I don't think he was anything. Yeah. No, I get he didn't blow you away, but I, but I Prince of, he, for a fair warning. And Prince he doesn't Brad have a major role. Movie. He doesn't have it's a major one. role in this season anyway. But he's just a cool actor to kind of bring in. He's a, he was a big '80s name. And yeah, so then we move on. We did. have yeah, and we have Jake Busey, the son of actor Gary Busey as Bruce Lowe, who works at the uh, Hawkins Post. Then we have Maya Hawk, who is probably the best actor to come into this season. Yes. Um, playing Robin Buckley. She's also the daughter of Ethan Hawk for Connor, who doesn't know who anybody is. Do you know who Ethan Hawk is? That sounds familiar. Ah, what Jesus the hell? You don't know who Ethan Hawk is? What? We, Dude, we just have to like... Ethan Hawk. Training. We have yes, to make like, like a college I, I know course. His face. Just... Yeah, yes, I know Mitchell, you need to make like a college again. course and give it to Connor. Just actors. Again, but, uh, names Maya do Hawk. not know. Faces, <laughs> I should throw. You should throw like a face in this document so I know who they look like. Maya Hawk is well, again, you know, next, for next for season the, uh... four. I will do that. Season she four, I'll throw in revenge last year or 2022 and last year she was in asteroid city and maestro so she is uh she's a big up-and-comer yeah and the, re- the, the other couple names too. aren't as big we have alec utgoff as alexi who is another interesting character in the season we have andre Evchenko as Grigori, who again isn't a big actor or role in this show. He kind of plays the antagonist. And then Michael Park as Tom Holloway. Um, again, he apparently he was big on this one show as the world turns. I've never heard of it. Mitchell, I don't know if you've ever even heard of that, but he was it's in a thousand a, plus so, episodes. So I'm guessing opera. it was like a sitcom. Soap opera. It's a soap okay. opera. Yeah. That makes sense. That that explains the shit ton of episodes. Um, and just for context for the season, uh, this takes place uh, six months after the end of season two. So not as big of a time jump from season one to season two. Uh, it's only six months, but just for context. So with that, do you guys want to hop into the episode and get this started? No, let's go. No. Good night, everybody. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep. So we have the opening scene with the uh, title card of June 28th, 1984. And it's in a kind of starts off in a government facility and they kind of do a job of kind of hiding what type of government facility and what nationality the government facility is. And it kind of gives you hints as you're going through and it kind of gives off the vibe that they're in Hawkins lab, but we'll soon find out they're not. But they are working on this big laser-looking machine, a mini Death Star ray, if you will. And we see them starting to test it, and they're opening up a gate to the Upside Down. And the laser pretty much goes haywire and breaks down. And this is when we get a shift of the camera, and we realize that it's a Russian military base or government base. And the lead scientist gets killed. And the general basically walks up to who we see as Alexi and says, you're promoted. You have a year to get this machine fixed and operating. And he walks out and we get the Russian 
music playing with the USSR flag flying in the background. And that kind of sets the tone of uh, big Russia is here to play this season. So yeah. Connor, what'd you I'm think glad, of that whole opening scene? I'm glad, I'm glad you put the, the date, like put the context of when season three starts. Cause that was the one thing I was kind of curious about. Cause it, it one thing that important. did go through my, one thing that went through my head was that were the scientists with um the with the other guy's name i can't think of his name the old the old dr owens yeah. i didn't know i wasn't sure if they like defected or not that was the one thing i did was not sure about because gotcha. um, they did the one guy looked kind of similar to one of the people in the meetings that kind of argued about like killing will off and the um I wasn't sure, like, oh, is is, he, is this a defector or from his group? Because, like, no, it makes sense if someone had that information and they might, might want to try to sell it or have protection from someone. Um, but yeah, but having that like timeline, it definitely does help. Like, oh, that's unreasonable. And the the other importance of the time card is that during the time that this event takes place is before season two starts and the whole reason dr owens is trying to keep everything under wraps is because they have the fear of the russians gaining access to this new dimension and obviously mm -hmm. season three starts off with us seeing that the russians are actually trying to actively get into the upside down mitchell you made a face you have something to say uh no i guess i'll just Make whoever's editing this just make a note, Tommy. Your internet's kind of acting a little funny. You're you're acting kind a of. Funny. I'm, I'm getting like every third word from you. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if I that's something that's just me or if that shows up in the recording. It should but, have worked up in the recording. I don't know. So, it should. Uh, okay, because it because it records separately on each of our devices, so it should come oh, through. Clean okay, the end. well, it should come through clean the then. end. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I, put, I, put, I put I put in the time. The okay. time you, you're just butchering okay, season three, can, episode one. That's can, all. Can continue continue with the story. <laughs> if you want Connor to take over, you can. That way, you can hear every word. That's up to you. <laughs> oh no, 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 I'm I have no problem with it. I just want to make sure it so, wasn't an issue all the way around. But no, we should be good. We can we can, we can return. So we'll we'll continue now with the party. And we get the title card of June 28th, 1985, showing it's a full year after the events from Little Russian event. And we get Eleven and Mike have a little makeout session. And we just see a little, um, a dad bod hopper just eating chips, watching TV, and just constantly leaning over. He's, he's tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had uh, enough. Of little kids making out in the other room. We we get a very different version of Hopper in this season. <laughs> I don't know if everybody will like him as much as season one and season two. I think as much as I love Hopper as a character, I was not the biggest fan of him in this season just because of how they made him a little more goofy and kind of almost lazy in a sense this season. But no, you I just can got the see. vibe of tired parents. That's just like, yeah. uh, now I got to deal with season one, season her, two, he was Mike. very, you know, gung ho 
and this is him kind of growing a dad bod and kind of just relaxing a lot. Yeah, no, he was gung ho in seasons one and two. This episode, it's keep the door open, ho. That it's it's changed a lot in this one because he's also got to deal with the fact that Connor finally understood that joke. It it, it was a delayed fuse for (laughs) Connor there. Um, Mike, it was funny. Acting like, thank you. Uh, Mike kind of uh, isn't as receptive as I thought he would be, but. There's 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 more coming with that. Uh, yeah, I, they're, they're both kind of pissing off. Since Hopper, we're but... already on the topic, I think we'll jump ahead and talk about what happens later with Mike and Hopper, because since we're already on the topic, this is the start of the douchiness of Mike. As I've told Nick and Connor for the past couple episodes now, like we do see a very big shift in Mike's character that it's coming, and this is the start of it. And I hate him so much. I, f- I feel for Hopper in every scene. Because even later in the episode, when Hopper has his, you know, tries to have his little talk with Mike and Levin to, you know, set boundaries as Joyce told him to do. And just Mike whispering in Eleven's ear and just mocking Hopper right to his face. Like, oh, I think we're in trouble. And Hopper's just like, fuck this. And just drags him up into the car, lying to him about his grandma being sick or something. And <laughs> Hopper just goes off on Mike. There's nothing wrong with grandma. And he's just like just letting loose. And it's, it's funny because like Hopper is always kind of a little bit of a dick to the kids. But we definitely saw in season two him becoming more of a parent. Now he's just a pissed off old man who's just like i don't want this kid around my daughter anymore and you see him He's call 11 his daughter you know, shit. yeah and he complains to joyce about how he's like it's constantly that all they do is just kiss and make out every fucking day and i feel bad for him but he just has that kind of snap too and he's like you want to see crazy it just kind of has a like wild look in his eye. And Mike even was definitely scared for a minute too when he basically got locked in the car with Hopper. And I just, I love that scene so much because I can just, I can see myself being that way in the future. I hope I don't get to that point, but it's just, uh, I don't know what I, how I would handle just a snotty little asshole kid talking to me like that. That would just. Here's the thing though. I, I can. I can easily see Hopper's character being just like Mike when he was younger. Just being a little asshole. Cause like, yeah, he, he pecked and me it, as the troublemaker. And, and like, that's definitely, I can definitely most adults have to realize too. When they, when they deal with kids, it's like, cause a lot of times parents are like, they see themselves. Cause I know my dad, he sees myself in him when I'm just being a sarcastic asshole to him. Cause he does, he does the same thing. And he's like, yeah, it's just me getting a big kick from Karma right in the ass every time you talk. And I'm like, yep. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, it, I just but, think uh, it's funny that Mike was trying to time up his moves with the song. That <laughs> that, that just made me laugh. Like He was about to like go in for the kiss, but he wanted to wait for like the right moment in the song mm-hmm. to do so. <laughs> that just made me laugh. It was funny. It's like, I guess you don't really need to do that, Mike. 
I mean, you're only making thing, out. <laughs> the other thing too is that like it kind of goes full circle with the season finale of last season too, where you no know, Mike has his interaction with Hopper, where Mike's yelling at him that he's a liar, and like he's he's hugely pissed that yeah. L's existence was hidden from him, and I think this is his no. Uh, like his his him going against authority in that situation, like oh, trying to take back control of his relationship with L from Hopper in a way, because he felt like he lost his own you know connection with L because of Hopper. So, yeah, that's true, and it's it's also almost a little bit of a karma for Hopper because he kept Eleven tucked away for so long, and he kind of got used to just it being him and her in just pure isolation. And now he has this bratty kid coming over the house every single day. And he's just stuck sitting on the couch, just trying to pretend that nothing's happening, (laughs) but just has to like lean over and realize, Oh shit, they're making out and just start screaming three inches, three inches. It's just like so funny. (laughs) The slow, the slow recline, and then seeing like getting to the view of like, oh my god, it's too. Hey, (laughs) great! And it almost for a slight moment, it kind of reminded me of Mister Wheeler and how he just goes, "Hey, hey!" Every time something happens, I'm like, "Ah, Hopper, don't go down that path. Don't become a Mister Wheeler." It's more aggressive than that. Mister Wheeler could never put the amount of oof. On it that Hopper had, but that but that's just Ever. the start. Eventually, you just mentally give in, and that's when you become a Mister Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And another great Can line, Hopper. About gave... What? Sorry, I was going to transition to something else. Finish your thought, and then I yeah. will go. I was just saying another great line that Hopper gives in this episode is when he's talking with Joyce, and he's like, "Maybe I could just kill Mike. I'm the chief of police. I can cover it up." <laughs> like, ah, great, great thinking, Hopper. <laughs> I did, I did like that. Um, I, I, let's talk and about also, yeah, haunt. Damn it! I, I want to continue <laughs> on that too. With, with, sorry, because he, he brought out Joyce. And I definitely want to bring that that scene up with Joyce and Hopper as well, where like Joyce is actually trying to give him actual good advice, and you no, know, yeah. it's definitely it was definitely heartwarming, and it's like Hopper does care, but at the same time, he's like. I'm not cut out for this shit. Like I have no clue what the fuck I'm doing. And it is a shit show and a half. Yep. All right, Mitchell, go ahead with your transition. Is it my turn to speak now? Am I I Uh, possibly? Yes. (laughs) Let's talk about the new character that we didn't get to in the new character segment. And that is the star court mall. Cause I do feel like the mall is essentially a character in this in this uh this season of the show it's it's definitely Please do explain. it plays a gigantic part in uh first of all then we've got the uh where, where do i even begin uh scoops ahoy where we meet I, I maya hawk's character yeah yeah um well, it, i it's love become the shit. new it's also become a reason to try to changed the shift of tone for the show because we knew Hawkins, Indiana is a small town 
all mom and pop shops. And now we got to see the introduction of a mall that's basically shutting down all these businesses, including the place where Joyce works. So it's putting a lot of people out of work. Yeah. But Steve Harrington is not one of them. But not Steve Harrington. Our boy Steve is staying strong. Boy Steve (laughs) found a job scooping up ice cream, trying to pick up bitches, but he is failing miserably. And Make it $2 uh, an hour. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he gets... He gets free ice cream and he gets to sneak his boys into uh into the, the little back back alley where they can sneak into the movie theater and let me tell you I would be doing that all the time if I had a job there. So great oh, setup. Absolutely. I I could relate wholeheartedly. I'm gonna say those from I love Go Tommy. What's that? Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I love the whole introduction of Maya's character of just saying you know, hey Dingus, your kids are here. And it just how kind many of little kids do you know? Like, like this or is how definitely many, how many kids a thing are you friends with. Recently. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it, it's a good reflection of Steve's character because Steve has greatly declined from season one, where he's this preppy, you know, hottest kid in school. He's gonna work for his dad and you know make a shit ton of money after and not really have to try hard for anything. And we quickly realize like he has nothing left. Apparently, he didn't make it into college. His dad is basically not letting him work for him and is punishing him. So now he's stuck working in an ice cream shop in a mall. So Steve is just kind of at an all-time low. And these kids are basically his only lifeline to having something fun going on. And the, um... my character definitely you know, shits on him for it constantly, which is great. <laughs> the thing that came from the season finale that I loved was his self like realization that like to Nancy, like, oh, I'm a shitty boyfriend, but I'm a damn good babysitter. <laughs> I, I, yep. I had a great <laughs> chuckle out of that one. I was like, oh my God, he's just, he knows what his role is now. And the fact that it's, it's and, leaning and this even is what harder. Mitchell and I have been kind of ready. Yeah. And this is what Mitchell and I have been talking about for the last like, half of season two where we're like this is the start of steve's like greatness and this is where it comes into full play season three is his prime time you know babysitter steve in action yep oh it's great this is i'm looking forward uh, to it i i'm and, and season four steve is fantastic too but yeah this is this is some good stuff yeah so speaking of the mall we get uh, Mike, this kind of becomes the new hangout for all the kids too. And we see Mike leaving 11 to go hang out with Lucas and Max at the mall. And they kind of just explore around. They go see some movies and we get will, which is the worst bowl cut possible. I feel like the bowl cut has gotten worse for him over the seasons. I don't know if it's just because it then. looks like his clothes don't fit him. Anymore. I know. But it's just uh, it looks so bad on him. As a bull cut kid, I and... feel his pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a bull cut. But I, I don't like feel six. like ours were ever like. Well, that's six. He's now like 13, 14. Like, like, but I don't know. Again, it was anyway. Like, still like that. That was still in the stylish like back then, and like back in the nineties. Like, no, it wasn't unheard of. Yeah. Now, 
we get a scene when they're in the movie theater where things actually start to pick up in the show and we get a scene where there's basically a town-wide blackout and the camera focuses in on a building and it's an abandoned steel mill and we start to see a bunch of dust excuse me on the ground start to form what looks like a shadow type creature and then the power comes back on and will gets goosebumps on the back of his neck and kind of has that like oh shit moment in the theater and of course you know why would he say anything because mike asked him like hey are you okay and he's like oh no it's nothing so I got to ask Connor, what was your reaction to this scene? Because this is definitely an important scene to the episode and the season. Cause it's kind of setting up like, all right, shit's starting to happen again. Yeah. And like, it's definitely will is sensitive to those things. It definitely seems like, but I'm not sure yet if the, uh, like, again, it's kind of deceptive what's PTSD and what is actually occurring. Yeah, and to me, to me, it looked like it looked like a PTSD flashback, but he knows something is up, though. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's even PTSD because he was sensing something outside of the theater. It wasn't the the movie no, he no, was sensing. No, no, no. I was saying, a, I was saying, a good actor was, in a movie, he got scared. <laughs> I was saying more so that the um, the him feeling that triggered the PTSD. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because to be fair, he went through a very traumatic event not even a year ago. He's been mul- through multiple traumatic events at this point. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because the whole concept is with Eleven shutting the gate and cutting everything off from the hive mind, everything from the upside down should in theory be dead at this point. So... I remember watching this for the first time and going, well, what the fuck could this possibly? And obviously I'm assuming it was tied to the Russians some way, but we don't know for sure yet. But I was curious as to what your thoughts were on that. <clears throat> but after that, we get finally a little bit of Dustin in this episode. We are missing him for the first couple scenes. And he's coming back from, I believe, either a space camp or science camp. Um where he's been gone for over a month at this point. And he's just on his radio saying, this is gold leader returning to base over and over and over again, more and more pissed off. And I felt bad for Dustin because at the end of season two, we see him kind of being the loner at the dance where no one wants to dance with him. And now he's been gone for camp and he's excited to get back to his friends and his friends are all from what Dustin thinks are basically abandoning him and, forgot that he's coming home and they're all making out with each other i know they are well except for will he's got nobody but either way (laughs) he's a living one but it was funny because it's funny because dustin's always calling talking about lando calrissian in the past couple scenes and i was watching star wars yesterday as the nerd i am and i forgot that lando goes by gold leader in return of the jedi so i think he's playing and likes to play as lando because he called himself gold leader that's just a little uh star wars fun fact for you but he's wearing a camp nowhere t-shirt so i'm not sure if that's a connection to any 80s movies mitchell i don't know if you have any knowledge on that aspect but 
Not off the top of my head, no. Okay. I wasn't sure because I was like, because they clearly show his shirt a few times. So I'm like, I don't know if that's a connection to something or if it's just a, just a coincidence of the shot. But not not off the top of my head. There might be a moment okay. where I'm like, ah, yeah, connected. I I know what that is, but not 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 currently. Okay. So we get a fun scene where Dustin's in his room and all the toys start coming to life and moving around, and Dustin's just kind of going to like, all right what the fuck is going on right now? And you see the look, like the I'm look on his face in a pure shock. Well, Toy Story hadn't come out yet. <laughs> I know. This was, I'm, I'm aware, this was Tommy. Pre, yeah. This was pre-Toy Story. <laughs> but I feel like there was another, Nothing I feel like there was an Toy 80s Story. movie with, with, wasn't there like an 80s movie like that had like toys coming to life? No, you're thinking, thinking of Small Soldiers and that was in the small 90s soldiers. as well. Yeah, it was 90s. That was yeah. after, okay. I, that, I think that was after Toy Story. Oh, was it? Okay. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I've never watched it. I just just remember seeing Small Soldiers. Never mind. Yeah. That is what I'm thinking of. But that That was after Toy Story. Yep. Damn. Okay. Then never mind. So we get. I liked it as a kid. I did too. I've never seen it. Definitely do. (laughs) At least I knew what it was. Oh yeah, but, we're we're taking baby steps towards knowing things. <laughs> <laughs> but so we have Dustin using his Farrah Fawcett spray as his only weapon, which I thought was great because last season he's got a full fucking set of hockey gear and baseball pads, and has a whole set of armor, and yet he's now surrounded by toys coming to life and his first thing is just grab Farrah Fawcett spray. What the hell was he planning to do with that? I want to know. Obviously <laughs> spray Lucas in the face. It was <laughs> as, as we quickly find out, it's very effective at spraying people in the face because Lucas and all of them surprise him and he sprays Lucas right in the face. And we get a great just scream shot from Lucas. And that was just comedic gold between the two of them. But Quickly after that, they all have a little reuniting, and Dustin is showing off all of his cool little science gadgets. So um, I saw a little bit of Connor and Dustin in that moment because I was like, "Because Con- you, know, you did the uh, what, what was the class in high school? You guys were always building shit." I was the engineer. It was engineering design. Yeah, well, like, I, I just pictured that. I was like, I feel like that would be Connor in if he was in the Stranger Things world, going to Camp Nowhere, creating a bunch of cool oh, shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. I th- the thing I in my mind was like, would I, like as an adult now, like I'm like part of my job. I actually learned, I'm right now learning about radios and like making like different like demonstrations using them. And I like it went through my mind while I was watching this episode. I was like, would I be a radio kid when I was like in the '80s? Like the possibility. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I mean, with with your budget and tools available to you, I expect you to recreate some of these tools and bring them onto the podcast for a show and tell. Uh, Do it, make it happen. That's down the road if you have time. You know, I know you're a busy guy, but if you want to make us a cerebro, that would be awesome. I'm good, thank you, though. (laughs) If you can, but I think that was probably. I think that was probably the coolest thing that Dustin created was a little cerebro because obviously he's a big X-Men fan. 
And so then we quickly get this little fact, fun fact of Dustin has a girlfriend, Susie. Connor, um, do you think Susie exists? Because no one else seems to believe it. I think so. Because the fact, I think that Dustin had too much knowledge of her. Like, how the hell would he know what a fucking Mormon is? Like, that's something that, like, that was, like... I don't know. No, like, her being from Utah, that she's also a Mormon. No. And the fact that he keeps repeating, like, to try to contact her, even when everybody else is gone, I think, I think he... Had, is he his actual girlfriend? Maybe not, but I think she's exists. Okay. Glad you think that. I just felt that felt that was worth asking, just to see if you actually. I don't blame the. I don't. Uh, I don't blame the kid, other kids thinking that she doesn't <laughs> exist because that, that because like they all trying to call up. He's trying to call out to her for multiple times and getting no response and like oh yeah no, you and your imaginary girlfriend. Good job, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> And we get a scene where they all, as they're going up to go find out who Susie is, they're running through the field, and we get a little shot of all these rats running through the field. And we see it a little bit later where they're all going down to this uh, the steel mill where we saw a few scenes ago. And they all just start exploding. That scene was so So, Connor, weird. I'm going to ask you again. Yeah, what what was your thoughts and what do you think is going on? Because obviously we saw a bit of the shadow type monster. We see all these rats going down there and exploding. What are your thoughts on that? So <laughs> my first my first thought was, a this is freaky as hell because like that was like the first time like the the Debbie dogs were or demo dogs were pretty interesting, but that was the first time where like I was like, okay. That this is creepy, and the first thing that ran through my mind, like monster wise, though, is like, would this thing like congeal all these rat guts all onto one being? Because that would be horrific as hell. This, like, is is that a DD monster that does that, or is that just your? imagination creating something that, that that's my imagination creating something of just like a okay. some abomination it's a a flashing rat gut monster kind of yeah like a conglomerate of just like ooze and like bones of these freaking vermin okay i'll have to ask obviously nick is not here with us but i'll have to ask him when he watched it what he thinks its significance is and we'll we will definitely see what it is uh, in an episode or so. But that was definitely the big highlight of the episode. We'll obviously go into all the other character story arcs, but that was kind of the more important underlying tone of the se- of the season. And season three definitely gets a little bit darker in terms of the monsters. And this is kind of the start of it. It definitely gives a much more, like you said, much more creepy vibe. So I'm, this is why I think season three was definitely one of the better seasons. It's it has a much more interesting fucked up type monster. So on from that, we have Dustin 
continue to radio Susie, doesn't get in touch with her, and finally gets a random little kind of Russian transmission. And we kind of hear a little bit of it. And it goes, the silver cat feeds when blue meets yellow in the West. A trip to China sounds nice if you tread lightly and the week is long. So that was the transmission. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because that's going to be another puzzle. Because last season we had the puzzle of Eleven's mom. Now we have a Russian transmission puzzle. Did you have any initial thoughts on that? Before we dive into the rest of the episode. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but. No, that's fine. It's it's the same train of thought. Uh, I thought that it definitely is code for something. And mm-hmm. see, they, you know, each term or phrase will mean something to something else. Yeah. When blue meets yellow, the first uh, blue meets yellow in the West. That's what I'm, th- I'm thinking like maybe something when it comes to the gates, like, you no, know, that connection okay. there. Uh, otherwise, though, I have, I have no clue. This is one I'm like, I have to wait. And I, I'm not expecting to have any sort of answer for this. I was just curious if you had any sort of uh, train of thought on what it could possibly be. The only thing I think of is like, because you know, it China is... sounds nice. Like to me, like it's like, like my mind is that they're trying to build a gate from Russia to the United States. That's how I'm reading this. Uh, like blue means yellow in the West. Okay? okay. So they're trying to make a connection. A trip to China sounds nice to me. No, the term or phrase of no, if you keep on digging, you're going to dig through China. So kind of, kind of like that's how that's my uh, train of thought on there. So okay, that's but is it true again? That I just I'm pulling at straws, but <laughs> don't know. Well, we'll definitely uh, see more about this in the coming episodes. But I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on it. So with that, we'll kind of transition over to the other characters where we have Nancy and Jonathan, officially a couple at this point. And they're working for the Hawkins Post. And we get Nancy is kind of the errand girl for the office, trying to pull her weight and definitely being the underappreciated worker of the uh, staff with a bunch of you know, obviously classic for the time. It was, you know, a bunch of sexist white men just kind of hanging out, making fun of her. And we get a couple of the new characters in there. Uh, I think Bob is the one. I think that's his name or Bruce. Bruce is the name. And Jonathan is the photographer there. So obviously he at least found something in his field. And it was very interesting just kind of seeing... Jonathan and Nancy actually sneaking around Joyce in the beginning. Cause I feel like Joyce is the mom that wouldn't really care mm-hmm. cause she kind of knows what's going on too. So I, I kind of thought that was funny how Joyce, how Nancy kind of sneaks out of the house and runs off and Joyce basically like wipes the lipstick off of Jonathan and has a little conversation with Will like, Oh, you'll, you'll understand when you're in love one day. Like she knows what's going on. Like, yeah. She's the so opposite popper. Yeah, exactly. I, I think she's just happy to have her kids safe at home and kind of like lets things slide because she obviously knows there are a lot worse things that can happen. 
And we got a cute little scene too with uh, where they show that Will drew a picture of Bob the superhero on the fridge. That was in the season finale too. And yeah, when I when I saw that, I was like, my heart, like, oh, because Bob, like Bob will be sorely missed. And then look, they had a little cut scene with Joyce as well. Yeah, with, with Bob too. I was like, oh, I feel like no, Joyce still loves Bob and. I know Hopper wants to try to try to date Joyce at the moment, but like, oh, that hurt me so mm-hmm. much. It's like, Bob, we loved you so much. You were such a great guy. <laughs> it was and the, and the little picture that Will drew too was like Bob is like in his like Radio Shack uniform with his tie and also flying. I was like, beautiful. Way to go, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's just it was just a cute little scene. I I we all miss Bob, and I know even the Duffer brothers, like, they said, like, they didn't want to kill Bob off because they loved his character so much, but they're like, it fit the story to kill him off. Yeah. But they didn't want I to. I like no, it when choices wanted. like that are made, when it's like, yeah, we'd like to for do the, more of this actor, the show. but it works best in the story. Good yeah. job, Duffer brothers. And that, that's why this show has been so great, because they make sure they do everything properly, and they do what's best for the show because they care about agree with that but i will keep those complaints in my pocket and we'll return to them at a later date (laughs) okay so thank you mitchell yeah mitchell just likes a little tease a little here and there of things that he doesn't like because i'm not gonna let you get away with that blasphemous statement Look, but so far, I have a feeling so I know what you're talking. I, I have a feeling what you're talking about, but up to this maybe. point, maybe you do. The Duffer Brothers are done, with the exception of not letting yep. Noah Snap going, rehiring somebody else. But we can't, we can't fight that one. But um, so with uh, Jonathan and Nancy, Nancy gets a call towards the end of the episode from a Doris Driscoll who says she has a story involving disease and rats. So the whole rat situation going on in the steel mill is definitely becoming a more central focus to what's going to be going on in the season. And they kind of tease that with crazy Mrs. Driscoll calling about the rats. So that kind of ties up the Nancy Jonathan storyline. It wasn't really too much going on in this episode. Just setting up, they work for the Hawkins Post. So Honestly, too, it's also we nice. We already talked uh, about it. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of follows the plot line from last season of Nancy in, interested in like, investigative journalism from her exploits with uh, whoever his face his name is, who we have not seen yet. Uh, yeah, the crazy guy. Um, the uh, Murray. Murray, that's it. Yeah. So I thought <laughs> it was very nice where like she she was inspired by that, and now she's trying to pursue that for herself. Now, we talked about Robin and Steve, so I think what's left is the, uh, I hate talking about, it's just the the creepy Billy-Mrs. Wheeler relationship. I want to say Rob and Steve first before we hop into there. Those two are so great together. They are. Yes, 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 yes. I, I I made a comment to Mitchell before we started recording was like, Robin is the ying to Steve's yang of. Yes just bullshitting around they are such good banner and 
the fact that Robin does not care and is like, no, <laughs> screw you. Like the the you suck board, fantastic. And oh, she, absolutely. She's, she's definitely found it. <laughs> knock him down a peg. And it just goes to show every crazy guy kind of needs that girl to keep him in check and say, you know, she's like the ego checker. When you know Steve starts to swell up his ego, she just pops it and makes sure he knows that he's a loser and that he's still working at a fucking ice cream shop in a mall. And she she does it perfectly. And their relationship is a very fun one to watch. Steve and Dustin and Steve and Robin are probably the highlights of this season. And even I'm going into next that. season. I'm glad to hear that because I'm, look, I'm so looking we, forward to see I'm looking forward to see those two interact because that was that was very much like the yeah, short the, times we had the, them together. I was like, oh, this is gonna be glorious. Yeah, there there is no spoilers behind this, but yeah, Robin sticks around for season four and the two of them are just perfect together. Cool. So All right, let's go let's go with the creepiness. Yeah. And then yeah, let's go because we had a nice conversation last episode with Nick and Nick posed the question of do Billy and Mrs. Wheeler fuck in season three? And we uh, <laughs> we definitely see the uh, potential outcome of that happening. I mean, Mrs. Wheeler goes basically gets to the door of the I house to go out. I thought you were going to say. And we actually see that happening. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what happens, Tommy. No, no, it's not what happens. It it was definitely leading up to that point. If I think if Mr. Wheeler was not sleeping on the chair, like he always is with his daughter on his lap, <laughs> I feel like he, if he wasn't there, she probably would have left. If she didn't have that visual reminder of like, this is what I'm walking out on. More that her daughter and not necessarily Mr. Wheeler, I think, in this aspect, yeah. but I, I think that's what kind of kind of put her in check and realized like I'm not this stupid, I'm not gonna do this, and she cancels and stays home. But Billy was under the impression of I'm gonna meet Mrs. Wheeler tonight, and obviously they have the little flirtation at the pool, which was just creepy. And Billy was just the classic 80s lifeguard of just cursing out all the little kids, calling the kid lard ass, banning, you know, threatening to ban him for life. And I feel like that was like the 80s trope for all any lifeguard movie, like even in Sandlot, even though I think Sandlot's technically a 90s movie, but all the lifeguards just apparently had this power of banning people for life, which I thought was pretty funny. But we get Billy basically going out on a date and on his way to meet Mrs. Wheeler, he gets hit by something mysteriously, ends up at the same steel mill that we've seen all these rats go to and gets dragged down into the steel mill. He did. So I'm going to pose another question, Connor. What were your reactions to this scene and what the fuck do you think is going on now? So... Definitely still probably upside down shenanigans because I think he whatever he hit was gooey like the that kind of mm -hmm. what we've seen with the with Dart and all the other come on not so ahead my cat's not gonna over mic um with Dart and uh, all the other crap that's been down there so like it had that same consistency yeah. and the fact that it grabbed him that was like yeah. oh 
this is serious and mm-hmm. like so with the like with the whole abomination of flesh thing that came to mind with the rats i was like oh is he going to be added to the pile and like is he like when they face the monster are they going to find billy inside this monster when they see him because i'm thinking it, i'm it th- almost, my, my, like i'm thinking he's dead like, in that's, my that's brain my... what you're what you're describing in my brain i'm thinking of the thing uh if you've ever seen the thing I was thinking more, the thing... uh, have you guys ever seen, watch Full Metal Alchemist? Yes. No, but I, I've heard amazing things. Great anime. Uh, if you want to watch it, watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That's the better of the two. Yes, um, I've heard that too. Uh, so there's a scene in it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but when you, know, you have, when Envy shows her true, true form, you have all these like faces and like looks like people with inside of envy, and that's what, how I kind of see it. Of like, oh, it's this kind of weird corporeal flesh thing that has like all bits of the bodies, and you can like kind of see Billy like in it, like mm-hmm. kind of part of this 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 thing. Um, yeah, that's how I saw like yeah, the uh, envy. I think would be the best one. I don't think I spoiled anything, but. If you haven't seen that anime, fantastic. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, Sounds good. So, the, uh, so with that, I mean, unless you guys have anything else to say, I think that kind of wraps up a good chunk of the episode. I don't think we missed anything significantly important out. Oh, um, one so thing, one thing, wrong. one thing that I was kind of surprised I didn't bring up. Um, because uh, we didn't mention the magnets uh, falling off the fridge itself. Uh, oh, which I yes. thought was very strange. And uh, because the fact that it's affecting magnetism for a short while is weird. Because magnets don't do that. And mm-hmm. like you can, you can see it with electromagnets. That the if you don't set a current through them, the magnet the, the it loses its magnetic field. But regular magnets don't do that, because um, like they, they put them right back under the fridge. Um, something completely unrelated, and I'm surprised they didn't make any mention of this because you have the scene where Joyce opens the fridge. What happened to the demo the, mm-hmm. the demo dog in the fridge? Because <laughs> they and then see the season finale, well, they I stuffed mean, it in that's, there. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's been a year, right? No, it's been six it's months, been a, but still. Yeah, I, I feel it, like... The fact that they've done... I feel like they should have had like, a, something with it. If anything deserved a flashback scene in this episode, it should have been a flashback scene when Joyce closes the fridge door of just a flashback <laughs> of her opening the door when she gets home and just seeing a demogorgon body in the fridge. And she's like, what the fuck? That would have been a perfect scene to throw in there, but unfortunately, we did not get that. Because I was hoping for something. I was like, they didn't, they didn't touch it at all. Like, oh, there's a freaking <laughs> demo dog in my fridge, and no, when they opened the fridge, like, where's the? Like, I was like, what happened to the dog? Like, because it was there. One it, point, does, it does also pose the question of what did they do with it? Because I know Dustin was very concerned of preserving his scientific discovery. 
Yeah. But I'm very curious as to what they ended up doing. If they just buried it somewhere or who knows what. But yeah, that, that would have been great to see a flashback or of torch that. It. Probably torched it. Possibly. But yeah, so the, the magnets are definitely an important concept that we did forget to talk about. And it does become a recurring thing. Um, they don't really kind of give any clues to what's going on with them yet, but I think, I think if we go off of the previous seasons with magnetism, with the, uh, magnetic North and all that being in play and with the Russians building a new device, I think that could potentially be a clue as to what might be going on, but they don't really allude to much else just yet, but they definitely clue that that's going to be something important to look at they say that though uh, the 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 soundtrack for this episode though slapped oh yes. man like you had well, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling up now yeah this is the uh motley crew no you had no bubby o'reilly um what was the other one that was in there that was uh uh cold as ice by foreigner i was like oh so yeah. good. I was so happy. Season, with season three and season four definitely they definitely amp up the amount of eighties like hits in the show. So we, we definitely get a more well rounded soundtrack going forward. And yeah, this episode they had a lot of great songs in it. Yeah, moving stereo is another one that popped up. Yep. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> so with that. Are we good to wrap up the episode? I think we touched on everything now at this point. Yep. Let's go to ratings. Um, let's go to ratings. Um, I'll start off. I will give this a, I'll give this a flat nine. Wow. Good. The Lord, reason starting high. I, I really love this season and I like granted nothing big happens in this episode, but I like how they were able to, throw everybody's character in, introduce new characters, not have to give any verbal explanations to what's going on. You just know what's what's happening. You see the new relationships develop between um, you see Michael and Eleven's relationship has progressed. You've seen Lucas and Max have progressed. You see that Dustin was away for camp without having to need a whole giant scene of dialogue basically explaining what's going on. You see little hints like they've set up multiple plot lines in this first episode between the weird little shadow type monster, the magnets, the Russians. Like you have all this stuff being thrown in and it doesn't feel rushed. And you're basically at the end of the episode, you're waiting for more. Like it builds up a lot of suspense and definitely cliffhanger ish type episode. So I, I liked it a lot better where season two was very like obviously the start of season two was very dry for us. There wasn't anything exciting going on. This I think was the complete opposite. They just set up everything in the first episode. So yeah. So not nine flat for me. Connor. Uh I gave it a eight point six. I thought it was again also very strong and like it gave me one more, you know, it, it did everything it was supposed to do in a premiere, honestly. And I enjoyed it. It was good. Can't complain. 
Damn rats. <laughs> so I right. think because I don't think Nick gave us his rating, so we'll have to get that from him later on. But my Mitchell rating, I think, will be at 8.37. Uh, I'm going to go real quick before I forget. 8.37. And then I... Ooh, that, was a good, that was a good guess there, Tommy. I like that one. I, know, I was very close last episode, too. Uh, I was off by point oh four. Give it a three seven. I'll I'll take the under on this one. I'll give it the. Uh, I'll give it the eight point two five. Mitchell. All right. All right so Mitchell. my grade for Let this episode is an eight point four seven. That's, so close. Uh, that's that's where we fall on this. Um, I didn't think I'd be the lowest one on it because I really enjoyed it, and it's definitely my highest for a season premiere. opener. Usually, the season opener, uh, yeah, season premiere. Cur- the, the the correct terminology. Thank you, Connor. Uh, usually, <laughs> I'm a little bit lower on those because it's a lot of just getting you reacquainted with the characters and kind of just introducing some new plot threads, some new actors and characters. And this felt a little bit more substantial and I know that it goes to good places, but this on its own, if I didn't have that knowledge, I would still trust it because it just feels like, all right, we had some Rocky waters and now we're we're back to business. We're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, and I'm uh, I'm right back on board. So eight point four seven. Well, beat me there, Tommy. I was thinking of going higher than two. I was like, I was I was wavering. I should have blown my gut. I thought you guys would have predicted a little bit higher. Well, I. I know you're a very critical person, Mitchell, as Sam. everyone who's listened to the show knows. And if you listen to press play pod, uh, action podcast, you'll hear much more criticism from Mitchell about how he feels about every fucking movie. You're a very critical and- person, Mitchell, and you, you don't hold back with your opinions. So I'm usually, I usually go lower than what I think. No, I give. don't, but I'm also fair. Like there's gonna come a movie in a few weeks that I'm expecting to be like a super duper F minus, but maybe there's a chance that it's not. So You're I still will gonna give watch it, folks. Everything yes, I will watch Little Man and give it <laughs> a fair chance. You never know. Maybe Little Man is good. It's probably not, but you never know. Every every movie, every TV show, every TV episode. I always got to get at least a one shot. Deserves its day in court. And I am here with the gavel. Well, we shall see. Anything else, gentlemen? Connor's going to be joining us here for one right, of these here soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two of my favorite movies. So those are. Yeah. Can't wait. Those are ones that I definitely grew up with. 
Well, um, with that being said, uh, that's it for us to this, this episode. We have season two, or season three, episode two coming up soon. Anything else? I don't believe so. So with that, follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram. No, that's, that's Stranger that's, Nerds. That's and let's get out of here. Have a good one.